It's time for episode 189 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, May 17th, 2017. Clockwise, four people, four tech topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, the tech podcast where time is almost never on your side. No, it's not. (laughs) I'm Micah Sargent, and across the internet from me today is my wonderful co-host, as always, Mr. Dan Morin. How are you, Dan? I'm well, Micah. Was that a song at the top there? That was indeed a song, yes. Okay, next time I'll have to request that you sing it. I I just feel like we we need a little melody. I hadn't warmed up my voice yet today, or else I totally would have. We'll save it for the end. (laughs) Well, we have two fantastic, wonderful, amazing guests today, and uh, I will introduce the guest to my left, the Grand Poobah of Imore and Queen of the Dash and the Underscore, Georgia Dow. How are you, Georgia? I am good. I'm good. I I don't like that the intro seems like the clock's half full, though. (laughs) Check check your clock. That is that do not run your clock half full. Bad idea. (laughs) Your job to fix that for us, Georgia. (laughs) Uh, And to my left and making me feel only a little bit outnumbered today, the editorial director of Mobile Nations and, of course, Apple analyst and tech critic at iMore and so many other things. I can't even list them at all. Renee Ritchie's back. Hi, Renee. I've been told I might only refer to you in your published author status now as Lord Commander, so I'll I'll just stick with that, Dan. Uh, Yes, and now my watch has begun. (laughs) (laughs) Well, of course, you all know how this podcast works. We're going to talk about four tech topics, and uh, yeah, since I'm the host this week, we will start with mine. Man, that's selfish, but do I feel powerful. (laughs) Wow, entitlement. (laughs) <laughs> so, you know, we've we've seen some reignited rumors. They they came up a while back, but uh they're they're back again with uh, a new alleged sources for a glucose monitoring function with Apple Watch. And along with this uh reignited news, there's also some rumors of interchangeable bands that would add other types of functionality to the smartwatch. So, you could think of something like adding battery uh or adding a camera. So I am curious to hear from all of you if you could have a smart band to add functionality to your Apple Watch, what would your smart band do? What would it add to make Apple Watch better? And we will, of course, start with Georgia Dow. So I was thinking about just like having a band that makes my time be always on, but I figured that I've already talked about that so many times that I will not mention it again. See how sneaky I am. Um, <laughs> but, but what I was thinking about is I would love to have a, a type of EKG kind of feature where it would let you know if you're having, you know, heart issues or there's problems and maybe you should go see your doctor to get those checked out. I think that we uh, often don't realize when it's too late and heart attacks is something that affects a lot of us and is quite an important feature. So that would be something that would be pretty cool. 
Yeah, I think we're on the same page with the health stuff. Personally, uh, as someone who has like borderline high blood pressure, if it could like inflate like one of those blood pressure cuffs and actually check my blood pressure every once in a while, I actually think that would be super handy. I'm not sure that's plausible in the least, in the least, but uh, <laughs> I think it would actually be really amusing if you're just sitting there and it suddenly just started doing that thing where it like inflates <laughs> and everyone's like, "What is going on? Oh, it's just my blood pressure. Don't worry about it." A little life raft. Yeah, yeah, and I could get little notifications. <laughs> I, you know, you you'd be like maybe. Maybe you should stop reading the news because your blood pressure keeps going up. Like, I think this could be very or, good. Or, or Lord Commander would be like, you might be in love. Like, no, no, stop, stop saying No, no, it's just the news. It's just the news. Just the news. Oh, yeah. Am I the only one whose mind immediately went to comic books? Like, I want the Batman grappling gun on one of my watch bands. I want Iron Man's repulsors. Uh, on the other, like I just want a repulsor beam people out of my watch. A grappling hook, repul- maybe a small like- jetpack, James mm-hmm. Bond lasers. I mean, there's so much potential for me to actually hurt myself in really bad ways <laughs> by having comic book power I can't control and barely comprehend. Um, I'm only saying this because the obvious stuff is health, and I feel like you guys are going to say much more intelligent things than me. So I'm going with the jokey jokes to to act like I still have something I to say. I don't think that's that jokey joke. I wouldn't even mind if it just had like like a different signal? tools to a bad signal or the Spider-Man signal. I forget which universe. Yeah, right, right, right. The little spider thing. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Uh, well, thank you, thank you all, especially Renee, for your very plausible answer. <laughs> well, I'm right, Micah. You're going to rue this day when, when, when actually, when Tim Cook and Jeff Williams get up on stage and they start grappling hooking around <laughs> the San Jose Convention Center. <laughs> if that he's happens, going to make Phil do it. It's clear. Come on. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That would be very true. Oh God! Um, I accidentally repulsored Phil Schiller in the face. Oh God! <laughs> medic, medic. <laughs> Well, I think if I had an Apple Watch band that didn't do the first thing that Georgia mentioned, which is just add extra battery so that you can see the time ambiently, uh, which is a new adverb I just made, um, (laughs) I would like to have one that has uh, capacitive touch buttons that I could assign different functions. And so my wrist would become... A touch bar for your wrist. (laughs) My wrist would... Yeah, a touch bar for the wrist. My wrist would become another place where I could control, like, my smart home, for example. Uh, So, you know, I could set up scenes for each of the buttons, and you just tap it with your finger, and then something happens. Be it uh, play, pause music, or, again, turning on or off a scene in HomeKit, uh, or maybe even triggering Siri. Uh, those That would be what I would hope to have in my smart band for Apple Watch. So thank you all. And now it's time to hear Georgia Dow's question. Okay, so this one um, I, I was thinking about just because I wanted something. So I thought, um, what if you could resurrect any old tech from the past, what would it be? I assume we don't mean like resurrect the G3 tower sitting underneath my desk because that's probably better off, better <laughs> off dead. Um, you know, I thought about this one for a while and it's pretty tough. It's pretty tough because I think so many of the technologies I think of from like yesteryear are things that are I'm happy to consign to the dustbin of history. VHS tapes. <laughs> Does anybody miss those? You like the scratchy <laughs> recorded signals and like spooling tape? No. Tracking. Yeah. Laser discs. I mean, they were super cool. I actually still have a laser disc player here. Let's not get into it. Um, but yeah, I don't think that needs to be resurrected. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I think the when I think about things that, that could come back a little bit, I actually kind of miss like trackballs. 
Like, remember trackballs? When you used to have trackballs, like, on your laptop, and it was, like, built in. It was a little marble, and you could, like, spin it and do stuff like that. Like, I love my trackpad. Don't get me wrong. But uh, I used to have, a like, a standalone trackball. I'm sure you can still get some of them, but they're just not, it's not, like, as prominent as it used to be. So that's my totally ridiculous answer that I'm, I'm not sure I really want, but I, I would be curious. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I have so many BlackBerry memories coming back now, Dan, and like and like the Google, what was it, the Nexus One that had the trackball that was so bad it made That's you right. want a BlackBerry trackball. That's right. Uh, but now I'm going to choose to replace those with memories of Centipede and other fun Atari games where it was actually a good technology. <laughs> I was thinking about this too, and I really, I really don't know. Like, I think most of the things they had their chance, they were given a shot at, at you know, and. Survival of Fittest chose them for extinction. And it's sort of like Jurassic Park. If we go and try and force them back into our reality, either they'll just fail miserably or they'll kill us and take our place. <laughs> um, and I don't, neither of those are good futures that I want. So I guess if I like had to be retro, I would ask for the Apple logo. Can that be considered a technology? Get a rainbow Apple logo back because it would make Jason Snell super happy. And then the rest of the universe would become happy behind him. Hmm. Hmm, smart. Smart. Uh- I can dig it. Um, I think if I could reignite any tech, it would be the Nintendo 64, which, oh, you know, exists oh, still again. out there in the world. But I, 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 I don't know. There's just something about the Nintendo 64 where I remember playing games. I fondly remember playing games on that system. And I haven't fondly remembered playing games in like 15 years or something like that. <laughs> so uh, I would love to have that back and have my happiness back. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I think I think it would be a lot of fun, though, to be able to to play a bunch of uh, games on the Nintendo 64 and add cheats to, uh, what is it, GoldenEye. I can remember, like, mm-hmm. Big Head Mode mm-hmm. and the yep. Golden Gun and all that kind of stuff. That's a good one, too. Mm. So I asked this question because I thought to myself that I was going to get an old typewriter, uh-huh. which I know. I know. I Ping. That's why. Because that was so fun. But they're heavy and, you know, you make a mistake and it's just horrible. But I don't know. The thought of writing a letter to someone on an old typewriter to me just sounds awesome. That or calligraphy. I'm going to I think I'm going to get myself a big old school calligraphy pen just because I love 10 days to make a letter. Georgia, Georgia, go all the way back. Stone tablet. Come on. Her cuneiform is top notch. Yeah, chisel, Mark. chisel. <laughs> I prefer it's going to be really heavy letter. <laughs> the blood of slain animals onto the wall. Oh, oh. this got, got vellum. real dark. It's a vellum parchment. <laughs> Oh, wow. Wow. It is already time for halftime, my friends. Thank you. And uh, we have our wonderful halftime sponsor, Linode. This episode of Clockwise is brought to you by Linode. Linode gives you fast, powerful hosting for your projects that you can set up in just seconds. They have easy-to-understand tools that let you choose your resources and your Linux distro, giving you the power and the flexibility that you need. And Linode plans now just start at five bucks a month. Yeah, five bucks for a Linux server with a gig of RAM in the Linode cloud. So if you're wondering what the heck you can use Linode for like me, well, here's what you can do. Industry-leading 
computing performance with native SSD storage, Intel E5 processors, and access to a 40 gigabit network. Nine data centers spread across the world, giving you the ability to serve your customers quickly. An API that allows you to easily automate tasks or develop custom applications in the cloud. Super simple scaling, allowing you to resize your servers in just a couple clicks. And it's all manageable via the command line. All of Linode's pricing tiers feature hourly billing with a monthly cap on all plans and add-on services like backups and node balancers, which sounds super cool. <laughs> Linode has some awesome pricing options available. You can get a server with one gigabyte of RAM for just five bucks a month and can go all the way up to 16 gigabytes of RAM for only $60 a month. Across the board, Linode are offering twice the amount of RAM you're going to get anywhere else. As a listener of this show, if you sign up at linode.com slash clockwise, you're not only going to be supporting all of us here at this show, but you're also going to get $20 towards any plan. And with a seven-day money-back guarantee, there's honestly nothing to lose. So please do go to linode.com slash clockwise to learn more, to sign up, and to take advantage of that $20 credit. You can also just use the promo code clockwise2017 at checkout. Thank you so much to Linode for supporting our show. It is time for Dan to ask a question that we must all answer. So Dan, take (laughs) it away. You must answer truthfully. Um, So rumor has it this week that the iPad mini may have reached the end of its life. Apple may not update it again. My question for you guys is, did you ever own a mini? Did it appeal to you? Did it not appeal to you? Do you think this is going to be a a sad day or do you think the mini has kind of sailed its course there? Renee, what do you think? Dan, have I owned a Mini? I have owned every <laughs> Mini, sir, uh, that was since a silly the original. <laughs> um, yeah, and I used the, I, the iPad Mini 4. It was the latest one that I used, and I liked it, but I, I liked it better in the age before the large smartphone. I used to bring it with me. I used to travel with it. When I had the 4-inch the or 5-inch iPhone, it was great because it was really convenient, and it was big enough that I could do a bunch of things but not have to carry, like, <laughs> not be burdened by a full-size <laughs> tablet to carry around. But then I, as soon as the iPhone Plus came out, I got that, and then it it just there was not a big enough size differential to, to matter to me. So I went back to the large screen um, iPad and just my, my iPad mini started gathering dust. And I know some people love them. I know some people get the little keyboards and use it as like the ultimate manager book computer where they just run from meeting to meeting and quickly take notes. But I've, I've supplanted all of that. So I think it made sense. I think it's ironic that Steve Jobs had to be convinced to make it in the first place. Uh, but it was I think it's going to turn out historically to be a gap filler, a device that existed briefly to be more convenient when phones were still small and it's just going to give way to bigger more productive tablets so i had and i think i had two ipad minis over the course of the the time that i have purchased ipads and it was actually the first ipad that i purchased if i remember correctly and i'm going to say the same thing as renee you know it was until uh the the bigger iphone came out that was the perfect device i thought for me in terms of being able to uh do stuff that was not quite on the go and not quite stationary it was the in between device but once i got the uh 6 plus and the 7 plus and had those devices there didn't really seem to be a need for ipad mini sized uh an iPad mini sized device in my life. And I thought I was convinced that the iPad mini was my hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy. But the iPad Pro at 9.7 inches came out with the smart keyboard. And that is the device uh, I fell in love with and is my hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy. So yeah, I 
up until the bigger screened iPhone, which necessitated leaving my iPad mini behind, I absolutely thought that device was a, a perfect size. And um, yeah, if it, if it, if it goes away, uh, it makes me sad, but I also understand. And I can probably imagine that um, Apple's looked at the numbers and looked at the popularity of the device and, and knows what's a, what it should do next. So them's my feels there on the iPad mini. So I did have an iPad mini. Um, it was it was nice and cute when I had it, but I can't say that I was really, I really enjoyed it. I ended up giving it to my mom. I, I'm uh, fine with the iPad mini going away. I'm not going to be shedding any tears for it. I think that it works well for children and maybe even for schools. Um, it is very portable and light, but I think that now everything's getting lighter. I don't think that it's going to be a really huge issue to that. And I think that there's just way too many iPads in the ecosphere, so they have to get rid of something. So it seems like the uh, Mini uh, is an easy one to let go of. I like how uh, Georgia said it's an iPad. It's great for children. Like, what is this, an iPad for ants? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Yeah, I'm kind of with Micah. Like Micah, I had two iPads. I think I had the original iPad and the iPad Mini 2. um, And I like them. They filled a gap there. I don't have the plus size phone, but even with just like the iPhone 6 size phone, like it still gets closer and closer. And as they squeeze bigger screens onto smaller devices it's become you know that line has blurred much more so you know there's talk for example of a you know a iphone 6 7 size device that has a larger screen which you know of course makes you think well then they could put a larger screen on the plus size device which gets it even closer to a mini and meanwhile the 9.7 inch ipad has gotten more compact uh and so i have an ipad air 2 that i carry around and it's perfectly light and small enough that it fits in like my smaller bags and it's the screen is it's nice and large and, and bigger than a mini and so i i gave up my mini and i haven't really looked back on that front so i agree i think it was kind of a stopgap device and and we've seen perhaps it's last but you never know you never know with these things it might just live forever like the ipad 2 um <laughs> thanks for your thoughts on that let's go to our last topic from renee so as we speak, Google is about to ramp up Google I.O., their annual developers conference, where they will say the word AI 19,000 times and announce 72 products, six of which will ship and three of which will not be canceled by the end of the year. And I'm sort of wondering if, if we'll see something different this year. I mean, Apple just put up a series of videos called Designed for Accessibility, where they showcase how technology can be used to make people's lives not just better, but 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 really rich and and, and full of experiences. And Apple has done a great job. They put this on keynotes. They highlight it. They have meetups. They do all these things. And I've been watching a lot of keynotes this year, and I just don't see it from other people. I didn't get a chance to watch all of Build yet, but nothing leapt out of me in terms of accessibility. And traditionally, Google hasn't done much with it. I don't think Amazon or Facebook have addressed it really. Samsung had a great segment on accessibility with their uh, assistant that would basically let you use voice as an entire interface and then promptly never shipped it. Um, and I think that's that's sort of sad. It was really interesting looking technology. So my question is, uh, why don't we see this from other vendors? And would would it be good for everybody if they sort of put more effort into accessibility? Uh, easy answer. Absolutely, it would be way better. I thought better you were going to say Frelo but that was <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I. I I find myself disappointed. Um, I'm disappointed with with uh, these these tech giants who aren't putting as much focus on this. I mean, um, I have seen 
firsthand people talk about how the accessibility uh, features that Apple pays attention to every time they're developing new products and they're developing software, uh, how it has impacted them. And this is this is, it's just so important. You know, we, as we continue to uh, improve as a species uh, over time, as, as humanity strives, at least, to get better and be more inclusive and more diverse and celebrate those things, um, we have to look at all of the various intersections of diversity and inclusivity and not just pay attention to one or the other, not just pay attention to um, one type of representation. And that includes making sure that we're paying attention to uh, to accessibility and making sure that technology can be used by everybody. Why? Are we not seeing more of this from other tech giants? I don't know the answer. What I could say is I think there the companies have yet to understand just how important it is to make it uh table stakes as Renee is wont to say and i hope that companies will be better in the future and i hope that uh consumers will hold them accountable for being better about this in the future so i think that i i i fully go with Michael with what you're saying and, and how you feel about that. I think that companies have a hard time because they can't see it's not as profitable for them. And so I think that they leave most of that up to developers to be able to fill the gap, uh, to be able to help people through with accessibility. I think that they end up missing the mark as that um, accessibility issues can help everyone and you never know when you may be dealing with something and so it ends up leaving the fact that if you're going to give something like you know I know that you know if I give you know say my iPad mini that I gave to my mom I knew that it was going to work it was going to be pretty easy to use I felt comfortable that she wasn't going to delete something that was going to cause some sort of error it wasn't going to have a bug that she was going to be calling me for and so I think that that's where Apple really has thought about people first even if it is not as profitable as something that would be exceptional mainstream. And so I think that they need to think about that accessibility in the end will help everyone something that you never, you know, I, I end up making my phone much uh, darker than it can go. It's one of the accessibility features and other ways that I can use it, which is helpful to everyone. And so I think that in the end, it's about the bottom line. And if they could find ways that it would be more profitable for them, maybe they would. But I think that if people don't talk about it and make a little bit of um, a ruckus that there's not better features to be able to help people so that everyone can use technology, then they're going to kind of ignore it and hope that it, you know, is good enough without. Yeah, I think Apple's done a great job leading the way here. There are some good examples from other places. I mean, some of them are tend to be more speculative. I know Microsoft did talk last week about a research project that they were working on to help sort of um, people who suffer from Parkinson's disease or other tremors um, by creating like a wearable that could disrupt the feedback loop that causes some of those tremors, which is really cool. I mean, it's definitely more of a research project than a shipping product, but it does show that there is attention being paid to some of this. As to why... There isn't more of it. I think 
uh, Georgia hit the nail on the head for part of it, which is that it's about the bottom line a lot of times, and they don't like see the financial upside. That said, that shouldn't be the only thing in consideration. And I think the other part of it, to Micah's point about diversity and inclusion, is you probably don't have as diverse and inclusive engineers in the companies themselves who are able to bring those ideas to the forefront and able to say, "Hey, look, you know, I'm I'm someone who has this different, uh, you know, different ability set, and I want to." you know push this agenda and this is something i think that's really important on you need like you know having an advocate inside the company i think makes a big difference um and so you know just as a a short personal story a couple weeks ago i was down in uh in florida and i was at i was at disney world and just before that i had hurt my foot with a sort of chronic condition i have and so i ended up in a wheelchair going around disney world most of the time and you know that's definitely you know what as someone who is very lucky to not you know have to uh be in a wheelchair all the time even just a you know a few days of experiencing that really just changes your perspective on these things and so it is nice when devices like the apple watch for example take that into account when it comes to things like your workouts and and the like and so i think it is you know having people more people exposed to that and having to confront um different abilities you know in their own lives i think makes a big difference in advocating for those those things so i'd love to see some more of that um but i think it, it definitely helps if those companies are looking to employ more people who are differently abled yeah, I think, you know, I think you guys are all right about that. And I remember one of my, I love fiery Tim Cook. And one of the fieriest Tim Cook moments was when at the investor meeting, one of the investors asked why he's wasting money on accessibility. And he said, I don't give a damn about the ROI. Uh, and I thought that was great. And Apple has a ton of people like with accessibility issues on the accessibility teams. Uh, at the last WWDC, they had uh, one of the blind accessibility engineers use DJ to show that he could, you know, and he, he threw down. It was amazing. And you guys are exactly right. You're only ever one eye injury or, or trip or fall or repetitive stress injury away from needing those features. Uh, and I remember Apple demoed uh, the camera, and the camera will actually speak to you and say face in frame, daylight, good conditions. And a lot of companies would say, oh, blind person doesn't need to take photos, where Apple said a blind person is going to want to send a selfie to their sighted relatives, we're going to make this feature awesome. And I just, I really hope that at IO, at Build, at whatever Amazon's event is called, I don't remember, um, at F F whatever, they're up to F9, F10, they all put this stuff on stage and they help raise awareness as well. I agree. All right. I think we have just enough time for a bonus topic. And if we don't, too bad. So here is our sponsor for today's bonus topic brought to you by Away. Your luggage should not cost more than your plane ticket. And that's why Away makes smart premium suitcases for just under $300. You can go to awaytravel.com slash clockwise now and browse Away's suitcases all made with premium premium German polycarbonate, which is unrivaled in strength and impact resistance, and still lightweight. Away offers four sizes of suitcase, the carry-on, the bigger carry-on, the medium, and the large, and they have nine great colors for you to choose from. Away suitcases feature a patent-pending compression system, which is great if you're an overpacker like me, along with four 360-degree spinner wheels. Away carry-ons compliant with all major U.S. airlines while still maximizing the amount you can 
pack. They have TSA combination locks built in and a removable washable laundry bag too, so you can separate your clean clothes from your worn ones. Perhaps one of Away's best features is that both sizes of the carry-on feature USB ports so you can charge your devices while you're traveling. A single charge of the Away carry-on can provide enough battery to charge your phone five times. You're never going to be without power again. Honestly, that is the best part about Away. There's nothing more uh, questionable than having to charge your device with one of those ports that's built into the plane and you're kind of wondering, is someone going to hack me? No, with Away, it's built into the carry-on. You don't have to worry about going and using some other charger that's somewhere else. It's built right in. So Away believes in the quality of their products, and that is why they offer a lifetime guarantee. If anything breaks, they're going to fix or replace it for life, and they also have a 100-day trial with no question asked return policy, with free shipping on any order within the lower 48 states of the U.S. Travel smarter with the suitcase that charges your phone. To find out more about Away, go to awaytravel.com slash clockwise, and if you use the code clockwise at checkout, you're going to get $20 off any of their suitcases. That's awaytravel.com slash clockwise, and the code clockwise for $20 dollars off. Thank you so much to Away for your support of this show and all of Relay. So, my question for all of you is... Wait, wait, do- can I can I have that voice that said, is someone going to hack me again? <laughs> I forgot how that went. <laughs> I don't even remember how it sounded. Uh, you'll have to cut it out and make it into your ringtone. Uh, so, my question for you all is, A, do you like to binge watch shows? And if you do, what is the last show you binge watched? Georgia, let me know. So so the last show that I binge watched was actually Stranger Things, um, which I absolutely loved and I could not get enough of it. And I would have binge watched The Last Kingdom and Vikings, but I couldn't because they were releasing (laughs) once a week and I had to wait, which was devastating to me. Like an animal. Yeah, I was like, what is up with this? This is archaic. I want to watch it all in one night. (laughs) Old technology doesn't want back. No, that's true. That's true. That's one I will give away. So Stranger Things was mine. Uh, I do like to binge watch shows, although the last thing I binge watched was Iron Fist and it kind of left me feeling oh. like I just eaten like a, like a quart of ice cream mm. <laughs> and did not mm. feel very good about myself. So yeah, sometimes <laughs> there are downsides to that too. <laughs> yeah. I love to binge watch. I like, yeah, I, I need a show and I've talked to a friend of the show, Guy English about this. You need a show that is not so boring that you want to turn it off or annoys you, but not so interesting that you stop working to watch it. Mm-hmm. And so like, you know, things like Castle and Rosewood are great for those, but the last one I watched was Bosch, mm. and that was pretty good. They have it on streaming on whatever the Crave TV, which is a Canadian version of some real American channel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the last show I binge watched was I love to binge watch stuff, and in fact, I'll just like sometimes that is the reason that I'll watch series is like, oh, yes, there are like three seasons of this and I can just watch them all. Um, the last show that I binge watched was the second season of Sense8. I absolutely adore that show. Um, the first season, I think, was was good. And the second season really uh, picks up and, and carries it even farther. So I absolutely think that everybody should watch Sense8 uh, and give it a chance, even if you've watched like one episode and thought that it was not that great, because I've heard that from several people. Didn't the second season be Sense9? I'm just asking. (laughs) That's fair. That's fair. Um, I think that just about rounds off everything, Dan. Am I right? You're right. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Georgia, and thank you for your question. Thank you so much for having me. It was a lot of fun. And Renee, thank you for coming back. Uh, Always a pleasure to have you here. Uh, Always a pleasure to be here, Dan. Thank you so much. Thank you all for tuning in, and we will see you next week. Until then, all we have to do is remind you, watch what you say. And keep watching the clock.